The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to that place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, The one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated. A little story I want to tell you this morning. There was a wolf who was once sorely wounded and bitten by dogs. He, He lay sick and maimed in his lair. And being in need, he called out to a sheep who was passing by to fetch him some water from a nearby stream. And the wolf said to him, if you bring me this drink, I will find means to provide myself with some meat. The sheep said in reply, without a doubt, if I should bring you a drink of water, you would doubtless make me provide the meat also. Do you get it? Lamb chops, guys. Lamb chops. We're eating. The moral of the story is that beware of who you help, because they may just take advantage of your generosity. And so goes the tale of the wolf and the sheep, one of Aesop's very famous fables, one of many cautionary tales that Aesop shares with us in a world that is always out to get us. However, when we compare it to the Good Samaritan, you can see right from the beginning some very close similarities The Good Samaritan is not a cautionary tale, but one that speaks of of compassion and mercy and kindness. But if we simply take the Good Samaritan and turn it into just another fable, we miss out on this great truth that Jesus is trying to teach us and is trying to teach the scholar. Now, if we come away today from hearing the story about the Good Samaritan with a greater desire to serve others, that's wonderful. But, But I think the manner in which we get there matters why we do it 
And so we need to understand what's going on in this parable. The parable asks two questions posed by this scholar. The first question, he asks Jesus' teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now this question is as old as time itself. We're always focused on this idea of, of redemption. And Jesus cannot answer this yet in the context of his death and resurrection. We talk about this question all the time. Jesus died and rose again. But that hasn't yet happened. And so Jesus presses back on the scholar a little bit and answers the question with a question, a very rabbinic thing to do. And he says, the law, how do you see it? How do you read it? How do you understand it? And the scholar quotes from the Old Testament, says, love the Lord your God with all your being and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus commends this man and says, go and do that and you shall live. But this, this very answer he, he asks or gives is begging another question. We know who God is. They would have understood who God is. But who is your neighbor? This neighbor you're supposed to love. Now, a self-assured person might have with great pride went away and said, I am so good at what I am doing then. Jesus, many times, when the scholars and the Pharisees are testing Jesus, he rebukes them. But in this case, he actually encourages the man who asks this question. He deals kindly with this man. Yet the man still seems uncertain. He's, he's seeking some kind of approval. The approval of this teacher of Israel. It's not enough to, to think to himself, I'm doing a really great job. He needs someone else to tell him, good job. Have you ever fished for a compliment before? Ever? Anyone? Yeah, okay. Right? So he asks this question. He's trying to justify himself. He's trying to get this approval. Who is my neighbor? He's hoping to be proven as generous. And we don't know why. Maybe he's someone who was, was caring for the sick. Maybe he was caring for neglected people, you know, like the widows and the orphans. We don't understand or know what exactly he, he thought would justify himself, but he must have done something where he thought he, he had a pretty good chance here. But Jesus doesn't answer him directly, but instead begins to tell him this parable of a man who's traveling down a road and falls upon some band of robbers who leave him half dead and naked on the side of the road. Now, this, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho was not known for its hospitality. And so the priest walks past, and the Levite walks past, and then a Samaritan stumbles upon him. A few weeks ago, we talked about Samaria. Early in Jesus' ministry, Jesus walked through the region of Samaria. Most Jews would walk around it, would avoid the Samaritans. But Jesus actually walks through it. And when he walks through and he meets the people of Samaria, they're not hospitable. They want nothing to do with Jesus, and they kick him out. And, and the disciples get so angry, they say, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to, to strike them? And this very same people who just rejected Jesus, now Jesus is using as the example of compassion and hospitality. The Samaritan, who the Jews wanted nothing to do with. And it's the Samaritan that had compassion. This word is splogna in the Greek. It means his guts were churning. There are times we see a sad situation and we feel pity, right? Isn't that too bad? Isn't that unfortunate? But compassion is not just pity. Oh, that's too bad. Compassion is seeing something, seeing some tragedy or some moment or some person who we are so moved by we can't help but do something. When we're like, let me make you a meal. Let me do this. Let me help. What can I do to help? I need to do something. I need to make this writer at least do, do something to help people that have suffered something great. This is what this, this Samaritan has, that it's so ingrained in his character that he can't do anything but help. It's who he is. Now, we're not told the motives of the Levites and the priests, but it's not too hard to imagine. I mean, have you ever 
seen someone stranded on the side of the road and just kept driving. Right? You have that important meeting you have to get to. Maybe it's a sales pitch or an appointment. And if you don't go, you're going to lose some goodwill, maybe some clout in your, in your business. Maybe you'll even lose your job. Or you have a family event, a, a baseball game, a dance recital, uh, the state championship, whatever it may be. Isn't it crazy that those moments always come when we're really busy? When we don't have time to stop? When we have more important things to do? Or, or perhaps we were just going too fast, right? And by the time we realized that they needed help, oh, oops, next time. I'll get them next time, right? And so we don't pull over. How often do we justify ourselves? All these reasons we can't help. There are two good reasons the Levite and the priest couldn't help. First of all, this road again was dangerous. I had a group of friends back in seminary. They were driving through the middle of the night and their car broke down in the middle of the night in Gary, Indiana. So they get out of the car and they start changing their tire. And you don't want to stop in Gary. They start changing their tire and this cop comes up behind them and says, do you know where you are? They're like, yes. And he says, please get in my squad car. And he took him back to the, the police department. He got the car towed there. They fixed it there and they went on their way. Right? There's places you don't want to stop. You don't want to stop on this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It wouldn't be uncommon for a group of bandits to lay a trap in, in that very place. Either they would use one of their own, faking as if they were injured, or they would take someone they freshly injured, put them on the side of the road so they can then rob somebody else. So if you notice in the, in the reading, it says, not only did the priest and the Levite walk by, what did they do? They walked by on the opposite side of the street. Their very lives were in danger, actual danger. The second reason they passed by is because their job was to sacrifice for the sins of the people and to help this man would make them ceremonially unclean. And if they're unclean, they can't make sacrifices for the sins of the people of Israel. As Caiaphas said on that one fateful night, would it not be better that one man suffer for the sake of many? So they think about the group instead of this one person. Is it not better that one man dies than a whole group suffers damnation? And you're thinking to yourself, well, someone else can forgive their sins. Sure, someone else could, but you could make the same argument. Someone else could help this person stranded on the side of the road. We have excused ourselves for the very same reasons or even less reasons. But the Samaritan stops. He stops. And he cleans up this man's wounds with oil and wine upon this very dangerous road. And he puts him on his animal so that if robbers would come back or a wild animal would come back, he can send the animal off with the injured man to safety and he can fend off the trouble. And he cares for him and he dresses him and he provides all he needs in this hotel so the man can rest and be cared for and fully healed. And the next day he gives two coins to the innkeeper and writes the innkeeper a blank check. Any other things that, that he accrues financially, I'll pay for it when I come back through. Just let me know, I'll take care of it. Which man was the neighbor? The Samaritan. The Samaritan was the neighbor because he had compassion. He saw a man beaten and half dead on the side of the road, and he saw a person made in the image of God. And, and Jesus is, is overturning what the Jews think about because they have such a disgust for Samaritans, they don't even see Samaritans as people. That's your neighbor. To love someone else in the image of God. 
So go and do likewise, Jesus tells him. Go and do likewise. And if you don't, shame on you. Shame on you. If this is just another fable, that's how this ends. It condemns us. Because we haven't been the Good Samaritan. How many times we, we, just, we just kept walking? How many times have we failed to be good to strangers? And forget about strangers, we're not even good to the people we live with. We're not even compassionate to those who are closest to us. And instead of caring for their needs, we care about our own needs and our own wants and our own desires. I mean, how selfish we are. What must we do to be saved? Take a closer look at that bleeding man on the side of the road, his body freshly beaten, his clothes, his clothes ripped off him, he's naked, completely exposed to the to elements of the wilderness, his head forming welts where they kept coming down on him again and again with that club, and his, his skin is turning this sickening color of purple and blue. And his fresh wounds where the blood is pouring out is mixing with sand and, and grit and dirt and rocks. And his bones are broken. One eye so swollen it can't even open. And his breathing is shallow and labored. And, and it doesn't look like he's going to live long. What must he do to be saved? He can't even cry out for help. People are walking by him. There's nothing he can do. Nothing. He's at the mercy of everybody else. And it's the same for each of us. Because that's us laying on the side of the beaten road. Before we try to see ourselves as the good Samaritan, we have to see ourselves as this man beaten and left for dead. A person that the world would hardly look upon. That when we look in the mirror in the morning, we're like, I don't want anyone to see what I see. And we hide and we, we, we try to keep ourselves, uh, those, those wounds of shame and guilt and, and sin and brokenness and embarrassment, we try, to, we try to hide and inside we feel like every day we're dying a little bit more, but we don't want anyone else to know because we're too proud. We're trying to justify ourselves and make people say, great job, while inside we're afraid we're going to be exposed. And Jesus looks upon you right in that moment and has compassion. Compassion. Not, not pity, compassion. He cares and loves you so much, he acts. He clothes you. He covers you. He heals your wounds. He gives you rest and pays all your expenses and a promise to pay all future expenses. The story is not some simple moral tale you can go around with some little snippet from. This is a story about redemption. Jesus never counted the cost. The Heavenly Father never counted the cost when he sent his only son to, to, to be our Savior into the flesh to die for us. In fact, he took that very beating on our behalf. So often we complain that God hasn't given us enough and God hasn't done enough and, and God just see it, we, we have this mentality of scarcity that we never have enough. We need more. And we're blind to all the gifts God has showered upon us. I mean, do we recognize how much we truly have? I've heard people say about the Good Samaritan, the reason the Good Samaritan could help is because he must have been a man of good means, of great means. And if I had more, then I would help too. We always have this idea, this selfish idea, that if I just had a little bit more, then I could help. And so the people with more than me, and it's all, that's always the barometer, it's always me, the people with more than me, they... They can deal with the problems. They have more money. They have more time. 
What if the good Samaritan was like that widow who put her last two coins in the plate to God? What if when he gave those coins to the innkeeper, those were the last two he had? He said, here, take care of this man. I'm going to work. I'm going to get some more. When I come back through, I'll pay any other expenses. What if that's him? And that's how generous God is with us. He gave it all. He didn't give in scarcity. He gave abundantly to you. Because when he sees you, he sees his son and his daughter. He calls you by name and no cost is too great for you. We serve not to win the approval of our Heavenly Father. I mean, how many, how many of us carry deep, deep wounds trying to win the approval of our earthly fathers? But we serve because we know He already looks on us with delight. Because we were made in His image with compassion. He has a, fear, a fierce love, a love so fierce and reckless that, that he can't do anything but act on our behalf. How do I inherit eternal life? What do I have to do? What do I have to He's given it to you by the precious blood of Jesus and the God who created all things. He, we heard this in the Colossian read. He is over all things. He created all things. If there is anyone who could say, I have more important things to do, it would be God. And he chose to give it all for us. All the riches of creation he offers to us, his children. There are two stories today. One says, give cautiously because everyone is out to get something from you. And the other says, give recklessly because you have already been given everything. One is a message of distrust and paranoia. One is a message of faith. And we know it's right. We know it's good. As the Old Testament reading said, this is not some far-off thing that we can't uh, attain. This is something that we know in our hearts and upon our lips. Why do we justify ourselves all the time when we don't care for people in need? Why do we justify it in our heads? Because we know what is right. Will we go and do likewise? Will we heed the voice of our Lord? There was a, a couple years ago after RCIC camp, uh, I was coming back home. Evan Veen, who was helping us all summer, was with me. And uh, there was a parent who picked up their child like an hour, actually a little bit, about an hour late from RCIC camp. I had just been a whole weekend away from my family. I was missing them. I wanted to get back home. I was frustrated. Uh, and so we start driving home. And we, we, we drive upon this, this horrible car wreck. And they were pulling this, this guy out of a car. And so we, we stopped. By the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we stopped and I got out. This man had a huge gash across his forehead, uh, like nothing I'd ever seen before. Wasn't sure if he was going to live. We're trying to keep him awake. I I prayed with him and and there's some other people helping assist too. Waited for the EMTs. We prayed and blessed him and he went with the EMTs. And then his, uh, his girlfriend who was pregnant was in the car with him. She was doing okay and brother was in the car too and he was doing okay. And the brother comes up and says, we were up in Michigan and says, I I need to get to the hospital. And they were bringing him down to Elkhart. So... We have a car full of stuff from camp, like frisbees and kickballs and luggage. So we just we threw it all to the side. We made a big pile. We got him in a car. He's in the back cussing and smoking and whatever else. I didn't care. We got him to the hospital, prayed for him. I don't know what happened to that man. I know his name was Jesse. The man who was wounded was Jesse. I pray for him all the time. I think of him all the time. I don't know if he survived. 
and I don't say this story to tell you what a good Samaritan I am to try to justify myself, because I'm going to tell you this. For, th- for that one time I stopped, and this is not just about people on the side of the road. There's so many other people that, need, that we need to just love. I, I'm not telling you to say I'm a good Samaritan, because for that one time I stopped, there are countless others I didn't. Just kept going. But, but why I tell you that is because I just want you to know I never regretted stopping for that person. And it was by the grace of God that we did. And I pray that God worked that in this person's life in some miraculous way that I may never know about until Christ brings me home to him. So I want us to take a moment to just pray right now. I want us to meditate on this love we've received from our Heavenly Father. And I want us to ask him to show us how to love this week. Let us pray.